Check this out, y'all. Audio level full volume. It's your time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN. Good afternoon, everybody. Board of Border 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here on a Wednesday. I could feel the productivity uh, reducing. My productivity, your productivity, I could feel it reducing as we get closer to the weekend. I can also feel that there's less and less people in the office. Let's be completely honest here. The uh, the roads this morning and this afternoon were getting more crowded because more and more people are not working or they're just you know trying to get in my way. Whatever it is... Um, Hopefully you're enjoying yourself. And uh, we got a fun hour coming up on the show today because um, I had a chance, thanks to the wonderful people at James Madison, um, I had a chance to catch up with two players back-to-back. And so um, we, on the show today, are going to hear my interview with Q Reed coming up at 3.15, the safety for the Dukes. And it's going to be awesome. He was really good. Um, You guys know, obviously, look. I, I can't hide anymore. I obviously didn't go to JMU, but like I'm in JMU Nation, or at least I'd like to think I am. So whatever I could do to help out the program, I will certainly do. They are down in Fort Worth, Texas. So Q Reed will be today at 3.15, and then tomorrow, most likely at 3.30, we'll play my interview with Tanner Morris of the offensive line. So we got one defensive guy, one offensive guy. I had Coach Robo on last week or two weeks ago. And um, you can check out those interviews up on our website, ESPNRichmond.com. Also today, we will uh, do a dive into the Cavaliers. Uh, It is National Signing Day. So uh, Brad Franklin, CavsCorner.com will join us. We will talk a little signing day, uh, get his thoughts on what uh, the Who's picked up today. And we'll get the thoughts of... um, I can't even call it a basketball game. I mean, it was it was a one-sided affair last night. Uh, Virginia losing 77-54 to Memphis. Like, that's just... We talked about it yesterday, and I, I was concerned about the off the rebounding, and it's funny because they actually held their own. It was tied 32-all in the rebounds, and they actually got more offensive rebounds, but they just... The athleticism, the athleticism that Memphis had was just absolutely out, off the charts, and UVA certainly wasn't ready for it. It was They were down 6 at halftime. 10 minutes later, they were down 17. They lose by 23. And my outlook doesn't change much for this team. I think when you play in these Power 5 conferences, like you use your non-conference games to kind of see where you are and to see where like your talent level is. And I think, obviously, UVA going 9-2 and two with wins over Florida and Texas A&M, that's good. Super. Awesome. The losses, though, losing by 24 to Wisconsin and losing by 23 to Memphis, I feel like... UVA's still got to get some work done, and so we'll talk to Brad Franklin, CavsCorner.com. UVA has one more non-conference game left. It is next Wednesday against Morgan State, and then they play at Notre Dame on Saturday, which won't be a challenge, and then they host Louisville, which won't be much of a challenge, and then their next tough game will be Saturday, January 6th at NC State, which we don't even know what the heck NC State is. So, a bit concerning for the Hoos, but I'm still, I still think this team's a Final Four team. It's just they've got to figure some things out. And I think the freshmen will get better. I think Gertrude will get better. I think Bond, obviously, will play better. I think your seniors will start to play well. Uh, I'm not concerned 
uh, in the in the grand scheme of things with UVA. But uh, last night was certainly uh, eye-opening, to say the least, when you're talking about the Cavaliers. And then, of course, obviously, JMU moves to 11-0. They have no problems with Coppin State, 87-48 last night. And I, look, you know, JMU... The win at Michigan State's obviously really good. The win the next game at Kent State's pretty good. The neutral court win over Southern Illinois is pretty good. But I'll say this, for the most part, JMU's beating the teams they're supposed to beat. They've been favored over everybody. They will play at Morgan State on Friday, and then they will start Sunbelt play with Texas State at home, followed by two on the road Thursday and Saturday. So JMU, I think, is doing what they're supposed to do. They're 11-0 by beating mostly, outside of the Michigan State game and the Kent State game, they're beating who they're supposed to beat. Um, does this mean the grant, uh, that I think they're going to be really, really, really good this year? I mean, yeah, uh, but the problem is, like, I'm looking at the Sun Belt schedule, and outside of App State, there's just a lot of bad teams in this conference. They host App State on January 13th. They play at App State two weeks later. Those are the two games that should stress any Dukes fans. Other than that, like, this team could go 26-4, and 25-5, and and we won't know how good they are until they make the NCAA tournament. Uh, college basketball tonight. There's actually a college basketball game on now. Wofford and Oklahoma State just got underway. Uh, college basketball tonight involving the state schools. And then we'll touch on a couple of the uh, other conferences that are involved. Liberty is at Utah Valley tonight. Liberty is a five-point favorite uh, in this one. They are nine and three so far. They've already played. Uh, they lost at Florida Atlantic, and they played Charlotte down in Charlotte on a neutral court. So they technically have two road games already. Uh, Utah Valley is interesting. The Wolverines six and five. Last year they were coached by Mark Madsen. Mark Madsen then went to California, took a lot of the players with him. This is a Wolverines team that their best win so far this season is Weber State, who's one sixteen in the Ken Palm numbers. They are coming off a loss to Utah at Utah, 76-62. Could be a tough game for Liberty. Utah Valley doesn't do a lot well. Um, they are pretty good defensively. They're not bad inside the uh, inside the arc. They're not good from outside the arc, and they don't rebound the ball very well. So I expect Liberty to get the win, but it's an interesting game on the road, 8 o'clock tonight for Liberty. Norfolk State's playing UTEP in the Sun Bowl Invitational. That's at 9.30 tonight at the Don Haskins Center. Norfolk State is 6.5-point underdogs. Um, Norfolk State's been really good this season for the most part. 8-5 and five overall. I think Robert Jones... I'll be stunned if Robert Jones is still at the school in the next two years. Uh, I think, you know, I'm guessing Robert Jones has had some opportunities to leave, and I think, like, some of these guys should be. He's been pretty picky. He's sitting there saying, I can get a really good offer eventually, so I'm not going to leave for the likes of the Conference USA or the MAC or something like that. Like, if I leave Norfolk State, where I really like where I am, I'm going to leave for a better job. I'll be surprised if Norfolk State keeps playing well if Robert Jones isn't gone in the next two years. And that's a good thing. I know it's tough for Norfolk State fans, and I don't know how many there are in the area, but Norfolk State's been really good, and that's the the problem with that is that it kind of brings attention to your program, and it brings attention to your head coach, so I'd be really surprised if he doesn't have a Power 5 job in the next two or three years. Um, it would be unfortunate for the school, but it would be great for him. I think he could he could get whatever he wants. They already have a win at VCU. They have a win at Illinois State. They beat William & Mary. Um, I, I think this is a team that's on the rise and could win the MEAC this year. UTEP's nothing special. 
They are 358th in three-point percentage offense. They can't shoot the three. They foul way too much. I'd be surprised if, if Norfolk State doesn't make this game close uh, tonight. So that's uh, coming up at 930. Longwood's actually underway right now. I can pull up the old game cast for uh, Longwood to, uh, to kind of keep you posted. Early on, they're up 10-4 to over North Carolina Central. This is a road game. Longwood's been so good this season. I'm looking forward to going and checking out their new building uh, eventually. Um, but that's certainly a um, a program that I think should have some success. It's uh, 12-7 with 14-29 left, so we'll keep you posted on uh, Longwood tonight. They were a 5.5-point favorite in that game. Uh, elsewhere, Radford's at West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia had a couple guys come back last game. They did not play very well against UMass. Um, Kirk Creasa came back. They had another guy they were hoping to get, but he had an illness. West Virginia's been a mess this season. Radford has tested themselves tremendously. We'll see what Radford could do. Um, Seven-point underdogs. Uh, You're going to have probably a West Virginia without the home crowd there because, remember, a lot of the home stadiums are now without the students who are home, so that kind of evens things up a little bit. Uh, I think Radford can make things interesting tonight. That's for sure. Uh, quickly looking at the A-10 tonight. Dayton is hosting Oakland. That's an opportunity for a, a, a solid win for Dayton. They're obviously a healthy favorite, but Oakland's not a bad team. St. Louis is at NC State at 7 o'clock. St. Louis a 12-point underdog in that one. I kind of like St. Louis, although they've had some issues this year with either showing up or not showing up completely, so it's hard to kind of predict with them. Uh, those are the two 8-10 games tonight. And then uh, the ACC, Duke is playing Baylor at Madison Square Garden. Pittsburgh is hosting uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne. We mentioned NC State. They're in action. North Carolina is playing Oklahoma in Charlotte. Uh, so that's an interesting matchup as well. And then, of course, if you're a night owl, tonight at seven, uh, 11 o'clock, Arizona is playing Alabama in Phoenix. The total for that game is 176 points. And you're saying, boy, that's a lot of points. There's actually a total with more. Iowa is hosting Maryland-Baltimore County tonight. Total for that one is 178. That's because Iowa scores a lot, and Maryland-Baltimore County, um, well, they go fast, and they don't play any defense. So that's a high number uh, for a reason. Uh, 3270-888, that is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is the area code. No bowl game tonight. Last night's bowl game was somewhat fun. A uh, bit of a roller coaster. Had the team total under for Marshall. They score 17 points in the first half. They don't score for the rest of the game, so I was really happy. But um, I missed the bowls already. Uh, Syracuse and South Florida tomorrow in the Boca Raton Bowl. And then we kind of really get into it starting Friday. All right, let's take a timeout. Speaking of the bowls, James Madison continuing preparations for the Armed Forces Bowl. Their defense is going to have an interesting task trying to slow down the Falcons and their triple option. We will talk to one of the stars next. Q Reed uh, from down in Fort Worth. You're listening to 1061 ESPN. Let's get social. Follow us on X and Instagram at ESPN Richmond. And find us on Facebook by searching ESPN Richmond. Don't miss a thing from your home for sports in Richmond. 1061 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here, and uh, we continue our coverage. Obviously, the Armed Forces Bowl down in Fort Worth, Texas, featuring the JMU Dukes as they take on Air Force. 330 on Saturday, part of that stout defense. Uh, safety Q Reed. Q, what's going on? Not much, man. Just really excited to be down here in Texas once again. I know I've been on a few trips to Texas, but 
it's an exciting thing to be making history to be in Jamie's first bowl game. How great and gratifying is it that after a season like you guys just had, you are going to play in a bowl game and you will have one more chance to play with this current group of Dukes? It's very exciting. You know, like, I think about it each and every day. Like, we we never knew that we were going to get a bowl game. We were just banking on seeing where all the other teams were going to pan out, you know. So we, we were just waiting to see if we had the opportunity. But being able to have this opportunity to play with my brothers once one more time, it's very exciting because I do love them. Like, they've been a part of a long journey that we've been a part of with this two-year transition process of moving to the FBS level. And it's just exciting to be able to take the field one more time with them. What does it say that your team was pretty much intact afterwards? Even coming into this season, you guys knew there probably wasn't going to be a bowl, and all you lost was Isaac to the SEC. Right. I mean, we, we knew what goal we wanted to make. We didn't want people to think that we were just going to be a pushover. Like Even though we play high-quality ball at the FCS level, we still wanted to make sure that we established that at the next level. We didn't want to take no backseat to anybody. We wanted to showcase that. Even though we're FCS players, like all of us have the capability to be able to play at the FBS level. And that's what we wanted to showcase over the past two years. When did you know this team was going to be special? Was there a moment in the preseason or a moment in an early game that you're like, yeah, this is going to be a really fun year? Oh, man. I wouldn't even say like it was a certain game. I would just say it was more so the fact of us coming together, telling each other, like, look, we – we we gonna play for each other. We're gonna do what we need to do to make sure that we have a great season to make sure like we're not going down a drain. Like we're a winning winning school. Like we, we come to JMU to win. That's what most recruits come to JMU to do. They wanna win. They wanna play for championships, they wanna play for bowl games or things like that. But we wanna set a standard for ourselves that like we came to JMU to win and that's what we're gonna do. Can you imagine before the year that you'd be playing on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, the NFL Network, and you'd have college game day on your campus towards the end of the season? How wild has this year been for you? It's been very wild. It's been a, it's a lot of distractions, but, you know, at the end of the day, when all those things were happening, we were still focused on the game plan that we had in hand for each and every week. We never let where what um, network we were playing on to be a problem for us. Like, each and every week, we want to handle the, the task at can in front of us. So that's what was important. We never wanted to be like, oh, we're playing on ESPN. Oh, my family can watch. My friends can watch. We want to know that we're going to play for each other. That's what we're worried about. We're coming in to win this game, and if they see people watching us, they see us win this game. Now we know we have more fans, a part of the JMU, JMU Nation. So that's what we wanted to make a statement with. Can you talk about, obviously, when Coach left, he took a bunch of the assistants, so there were only a couple assistants that were still on campus. You know, Coach Robo brings in some guys who are efficient with the triple option. Can you just talk about all these coaches banding together to help you guys get this win on Saturday? Most definitely. Um, as Right now, uh, Coach Whitley is the safety coach, and he's called them the Avengers because they have came in and established themselves well with us. They've been trying to give us some tips and ideas just to be able to make sure like our eyes are in the right place, reading our keys correctly. So it's been it's been a good little process. Like nothing has changed with the culture of what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish. We just want to know, like to let the coaches know, like we we coming in to win. Like if y'all coming in to help, like you got to make sure like you you locked in just as much as we are. So that's what it's all been about. What's the challenge of defending the triple option? The challenge is is reading your keys, making sure your eyes are in the right place because if your eyes are all over the place, then you're going to be led the wrong way because they do have a lot of motions, a lot of schemes that are going to make you wonder, like, where are my eyes supposed to be? So, like, you want to make sure that you have great communication before the snap to know where your keys are after the snap. So 
if you're able to do all those things and then break it down and it starts to get slower for you as the game goes, then you would know exactly what we, as a team, that what we would need to do. How about those? I mean, obviously, the triple options majority run, but the few times they do throw some passes, um, do you get? Do you find keys or tells as to when that you think they might actually pass the ball, or is that the kind of tough part also of trying to defend this offense? I would say it's more so being able to just understand the down the distance. Like a lot of times, most teams going to run the ball on first and second down, but with Air Force, it could be third and short. It could be third and long, but at the end of the day, you have to know what your keys are because at the end of the day, they're still going to do their motions. They're still going to line up in the same formation or formations that they have shown on film to where they can throw the ball out of those. They can still run the ball. So we just want to make sure that our eyes are in the correct place because if we're, if they're not, then they're going to be able to beat us. Can you appreciate, you know, you're in the Armed Forces Bowl, you're playing against one of the academies, and everything they go through on a daily basis with regards to playing football and helping out the country at the same time, can you appreciate the kind of players and the kind of people you're going up against on Saturday? Most definitely. It's our respect to them because I know it's a lot to being able to be a part of the military and play football at the same time. So I give our respect to them, and I, at the end of the day, it's football. In between lines, we're going to war just as much as they go to war for our, our country. We're going to war for our school. That's how we've looked at it all week. Like, when they're on the field, we we going to war against them. So there's no disrespect for them or anything like that, but we want to be able to put on for Jamie Nation and be able to win this game. Have you ever in high school or, or college played against the triple option, or is this your first time going up against it? I actually played against it in high school back in North Carolina. It was a um, high school called High, uh, high Brighton. I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly, but it was High Brighton um, High School. It's up in the mountains. I can't think of the correct area, but they ran the triple auction in my senior year. They were the first game I played, and they um, they they gave us they gave us a little run for our money. But in high school, it's a lot different than in college because like you still have a lot of kids who are still learning and who can be younger. But like being on the team that we are that we have now at JMU, we have an older team, so like we're able to see things and be able to communicate with each other and stay on the same page. What does it mean to you that there are some guys who are entering the transfer portal, but they're still staying with this team, they're still playing in this last game, and they still want to get a victory in this bowl game? At the end of the day, like, we've all talked to each other. Like, we know what's at stake with NIL. We know what's at stake with people trying to change their lives. You know, right now, this is the moment people are able to change their lives, but we also have a brotherhood here. And, like, with the players who are in the portal, they talk, they talk to us, they tell us how they feel, and, like, we want the best for them. We want the best for their family as well, too. We want to make sure that they are aware of what we're trying to accomplish. They, even though they're in the portal, they are still locked in with us. Like, they still love us. Like, they're still here locked in doing the things that we do each and every day. They just want to be able to look at their future because we did have a coaching change. And, like, a lot of times players may not know what's going to happen when you get a new coach. So I, we understand where they're coming from and what they are seeking. So at the end of the day, we're just glad that they're still locked in with us and that they want to play one more game with us because at the end of the day, we're, we're making history. This is JMU's first bowl game, so they're a part of the history, even though that they are in the portal. So it's an exciting thing just to still have them there. What would a victory in this mean to you? Uh, it would mean a lot. It would mean a lot because at the end of the day, it's the first bowl, bowl appearance for JMU, and that's something that would really mean a lot to me because I've been to the national championship in 2019 and I almost had an opportunity to go back again, but 
at the end of the day, I'm just really excited that JMU is having this opportunity to be able to play in that first bowl game, and I'm glad to be a part of this team. Before we let you go, obviously you've been at the school for several years. Can you just look back? Obviously you were a freshman, and you played in the CAA, and now you're a you know a redshirt senior, and you're playing for a bowl game. I mean, how crazy has this journey been for you? Uh, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. I, I, I sit and cherish it each and every day because even before we left out of Harrison Eric, I was just – standing in the stadium like, man, this is my last time actually practicing in Bridgeforth, and I was just like, I'm going to miss this place because there's so many exciting, exciting, like, just looking back at the App State game when, even though we lost, like, it was just so exciting to see how many fans were there and still supporting us through that whole game. But, like, as we got deeper into the Sun Belt the next year, it's just grown, and I just love that JMU Nation has risen to that challenge of like we want you guys to stay like we love y'all support like y'all support is what motivate us to continue to play hard to continue to be out there striving for the things that we want to accomplish and to also win in front of you guys so it's been it's been an exciting journey and i'm just grateful that i've been able to be a part of it. and i'm grateful for the past six years that i've had at jamu it's a wonderful place and i I'm I'm scared to leave but i'm also know it's time for my my next chapter in my life to be able to move forward well, Q, good luck this weekend down in Texas. Bring us home a win. Thanks so much for joining me. Yes, sir. Thank you as well. Go Dukes, baby. All right. That is Q Reed. <clears throat> Does the Q, the Go Dukes at the end. I like it. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about this game. And obviously, we, we can't bet on it here in the state unless you have an offshore account. Not recommending that. Just saying that's how if you want to get involved. The more I think about this game... The more I like, I think JMU can win. Uh, and I think I think JMU's offense is the best that Air Force has seen all season. JMU's defense is also probably, and I'd have to look up the uh, the list of everything to see, like, top defense-wise. I'm guessing, certainly if you look at Air Force's games this season, their non-conference games were Robert Morris, Sam Houston, Navy, and Army. And uh, yes, those were their four. So obviously, nobody there is an offensive juggernaut. Nobody there is a defensive juggernaut. And then you kind of look at the Mountain West Conference as a whole, and you see like the defenses. Like I'm pulling up the, um, as, you know, I'm doing the radio thing where I'm trying to pull something up as we're discussing this. So I'm pulling up the yards allowed defensive rankings, and I'm scrolling down. Air Force is top. Air Force is seventh in yards allowed. And then I'm scrolling down to look for the first Mountain West team that's not um, Air Force. And if you notice, I'm continuing to kill time here because I got to San Jose State, who's at 354.7 yards per game. And I would say they're about 60, 70-ish range. And Air Force played San Jose State gave and uh, and had some success. But, like... There's no defense as good as JMU on their schedule, and there's certainly no offense as good as JMU on their schedule. By the way, JMU is higher than that team, than higher than San Jose State. Um, you look at um, Mountain West offenses by yardage, and once again, I'm doing the radio technique of trying to kill time. Utah State's pretty good. 446.3 yards per game. That's actually 15-ish yards better than JMU is. So maybe you could say that Utah State, but that game was way back in September 15th. My worry here for the Dukes is 
You look at this JMU team, and I love what they've done with regards to bringing in the coaches and kind of bonding everybody together. I love the Avengers technique and everything they're calling it. I love all that stuff that's involved. My worry is, okay, they're good. First half, they you know they put together a solid uh, game plan. They put together a solid everything, and then they get into the locker room, and all of a sudden. You know, and halftime, Troy Calhoun makes some adjustments. He changes some things up. He tweaks some things. JMU with less coaches, or um, you know, uh, struggles with the adjustments, and Air Force kind of pulls away. That's my worry. That's my one thing when it comes to this game, because I think that JMU is going to be really prepared, and I think their their script to plays. The other thing that kind of worries me a little bit about taking JMU is. There's two scenarios for JMU. One, they play like the focused machine that they are. They beat Air Force like everybody else except for one team, and they're really focused on the game, and they and they show it on the field, uh, on the on the field, and they play great. There's the other side of me, which I know no JMU fan wants to think about, but is certainly a possibility: is that this team plays like a team that has had a lot of distractions. You know, coaching staff leaves. Guys entering the transfer portal. We saw today Tyson Lawton um, is going to Indiana. I'm sure there's probably a few other kids that, as I said, after Saturday's kickoff, after the game is over, there will be tweets saying they are going to uh, Indiana or other places. My worry is that JMU plays like a distracted team um, and that they, they, they lose their focus and... Um, basically, you know, they make the mistakes that we haven't seen all season. You know, it's interesting, and we'll play Tanner Morris tomorrow. I believe it was Tanner who brought up the fact that they were distracted and there were more distractions when College Game Day came to town, and they played like it a little bit. And you'll hear that tomorrow when we do that interview. I mean, listen, you had so many distractions this offseason. You had every, literally almost every coach in the coaching staff leave. You have, I would say, what, 12 players, 13 players who put their name in the transfer portal. You have two guys who are leaving. I love the fact that everybody is saying they are focused on this game. But saying you are focused in this game and actually being focused in this game are two completely different things. That's why I see like a choose your own adventure book. You go, you go to the left, and JMU wins this game 37-20. They're focused, they're motivated, they're awesome. They kick the crap out of the Falcons and play like the team they're supposed to. But then you go right in the choose your own adventure thing and you see a team that you know looks good in spurts. They have single drives where they move down the field and then there's other drives where there's drop passes and there's maybe an interception thrown and the defense makes mistakes and they clearly look like a team that has a lot of distractions and is doing their best to get around it but just can't do it. So that's my worry here. I would, if, I'm, if I was able to, um, I'd take JMU to win the game. I'd take JMU to win the game. And I would hope, and this is my other thing, I'd hope JMU's up double digits at halftime, and then I might put a little hedge money on Air Force in the second half just because I think they'll make the adjustments and because the advantage of a coaching staff that's used to making adjustments in the second half, not to say a Coach Robo and the other guys aren't making adjustments in the second half, but like true coaching advantages come in the halftime part where they're making the adjustments. So that's the tough thing. I, I, obviously, I want the Dukes to win. You know I want the Dukes to win. But that's my worry is that there's going to be this scenario where they're just not ready for this game. And Air Force is not a team that if you're not 100% focused, you can't go and beat Air Force with your 80% focus. That's my worry. 
Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is the area code. Corey on the text line says, what a great interview. Can't wait to fly out to Fort Worth on Friday morning. Who needs Christmas with family when you can go watch History in the Making? I like the JMU money line. Go Dukes. I'm right there with you, Corey. I mean, I wish I could fly out there. I have a press pass waiting for me, but I could not. Uh, let's just say I work in radio, so I don't have the discretionary funds to uh, head down there. But I would be there, and I will be there in spirit. Um, obviously, I want them to win. My worry is how will they make adjustments to Air Force adjustments? And will they? And obviously, Q had a, seemed like he had a good plan for it. You know, Air Force always gets you when they do that play action and they throw that pass. Now, their quarterback's not very good throwing the ball. But if he's got a wide-open receiver because everybody's playing up on the pitch, even a bad quarterback can make that throw. So we will talk to Tanner Morris tomorrow. Well, excuse me. I already talked to Tanner Morris. We'll play that for you tomorrow on the show. Uh, also, if you missed it, we got a preview from Air Force's play-by-play guy yesterday. That's up on our website, ESPNRichmond.com. You can certainly check that out. Jay Arthur uh, joined the show. All right, let's take a timeout. Coming up, it is National Signing Day. We don't go as crazy for National Signing Day as we used to. Like, oh, my God, it's National Signing Day. Because, A, there's two National Signing Days, and, B, there's not as much intrigue because most of the guys, we know where they're going. So it's not like we're sitting here watching a guy in front of a bunch of hats saying, I'm going to Virginia Tech. That just doesn't happen as much anymore. But National Signing Day, we'll talk about UVA's signing class. We'll do some hokey stuff tomorrow. UVA's signing class and then find out what the heck happened yesterday as they got outclassed by Memphis. Brad Franklin, CavsCorner.com is next. You're listening to 1061 ESPN. The NFL season is in full swing, and we don't want anyone to forget. We have NFL coverage every Sunday afternoon, as well as every Dallas Cowboys broadcast. Here on your home for sports in the River City, 1061 ESPN Richmond. It's more than a gentleman's club. Welcome back, 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. National signing day for college football, and a rough one for the UVA basketball team at yesterday to talk about it all. You can check out his stuff at CavsCorner.com. Joining us now, Brad Franklin. Brad, how's it going? Pretty good, Matt. How are you? Doing well, Brad. Uh, National Signing Day is upon us. Obviously, some things could change, but what do you think of this uh, UVA class that they've assembled so far? Uh, It's an interesting group in the sense that, um, you know, if you look just at rankings, um, well, let me back up a step. There are lots of, uh, lots of, uh, thoughts, lots of different uh, vantage points and opinions and such about rankings in general, the play, player ratings, that kind of thing. One of the things I think that gets the most attention, um, especially from you know recruiting fans and that kind of stuff, is how we rank the different classes, right? Now, I, over the years, Rivals has done its best to sort of try to weigh the various parts of a class, right? How good each player is, how do you kind of come up with um, like a consolidated sort of view of the overall group. And right now, if you look at the team ranking, yeah, UVA is not currently in our top 80 at rivals, right? In part, that's because the, the ranking system is based on having 25 commitments. Um, and so it, it, if you only have, in UVA's case, only 13, right, it really does hurt you in terms of ranking, but their average star rating is actually pretty solid. And, I got to be honest. I'm actually kind of impressed with the job that Tony Elliott and his staff have done, coming off of what was a, you know, a really rough season on the field. Obviously, tragic off the field. They didn't exactly do a whole lot this year, um, you know, to kind of um, 
show that what was what, what they did on the field last year was like you know an, an exception to the rules, so to speak, right? Um, they didn't exactly show you a lot of progress overall in terms of the record. They showed you in bits and pieces and in fits and starts, you know, especially offensively. I thought Anthony Calandria and especially Malik Washington really did, I think, the program a lot of favors in terms of being able to put something out there. So this is a solid group um, in terms of the talent they're bringing in. I don't think they have enough in part because uh, they just don't have a lot of space. They've, they've got a number of grad transfers, which are – or excuse me, just transfers in general – out of the portal, and that's going to really buoy them um, in, a, in a fair number of ways. But overall, I think it's a good group. It's a solid group. I, I think I would have liked them to get another offensive lineman or two, or maybe even just lineman in general. I think pass rush has been the place where, you know, they really struggled last year. Offensive line recruiting has continually been a, a concern for them over the years across different coaching staff. So um, it's a solid group and a, and a, and a solid star rating average across even if maybe the team rankings aren't going to be as kind to the Cavaliers. We've seen the Hokies talk a lot about defending the borders, and they picked up a lot of Virginia kids. It seems like the Wahoos did so as well with some key pickups here in the state of Virginia. Yeah, for sure. And this has been a theme for them in both the portal and in high school recruiting, right? So I think, you know, they did a nice job late to turn uh, Cam Courtney, who was a um, a DB wide receiver kid, three-star solid get uh, out of Freedom in Woodbridge, just recently, uh, uh, another state championship over there. Um, you know, obviously here in Central Virginia, you've got Ethan Minner. You've got John Rogers from up in Alexandria. you got the York kid, nice solid three-star offensive lineman from uh, Burke. So it's a good group in state in, in terms of, um, you know, in terms of this class, I think in terms of the transfer portal as well. you got Chris Tyree coming in. Um, there's also a chance that they might be in the, in the sweepstakes for Andre Green, the um, – transfer wide receiver from North Carolina, who's also Virginia native. But you're exactly right. I, I think Tony Elliott, just like the, his, his, um, his colleagues down at Plattsburgh, you know, they understand that the, that the in-state recruiting piece has been a real, uh, a real issue for both of these programs for a number of years. And, yeah, if you have a, a generational sort of talent, you have a five-star kid, like there's a real chance they're going to leave. Um, but, but the in-state schools have to do a much better job of keeping these kids inside the Commonwealth. And I feel like that's been a focal point from Elliott something he talked about today and certainly will be a focal point for him, especially, you know, in those transfer portal recruitments, those kind of bounce back guys, guys that maybe you recruited once went somewhere else to see if the grass was a little greener. Now you're trying to convince them to come home. And I think that's a key part of the message that Virginia has, has really pitched and certainly something I continue. I think that you'll see them continue to pitch as they go forward. Uh, where are we, you think, in year three uh, of the Cavaliers? Uh, obviously with Tony Elliott, what do you think are the reasonable goals? Is it just we got to make a bowl, or do you think that maybe we need to see a winning record here? You know, I, I think that part of it is, you know, in, you know, in part you're going to base it on what you just saw, right? So that you know you've got an answer quarterback, or you should, right? Because what Anthony Calandria put out there this year was good enough to make you think that if he's taking the right steps forward, offensively they should be in a position to win games next year, right? I think defensively they took some steps back. And so I think what you're hoping to see from that group is you're hoping to see them address some issues. They did not create enough pressure on the quarterback. They were not nearly as good um, in in terms of their cornerback play. Um, They need to be much more productive, much more consistent. Now, granted, they did have a rash of injuries, and I don't want to discount the the level to which that changed things for that group – that being said, they're going to return a lot of these guys back on defense. Um, there are a number of dudes who are going to use that extra year and come back and play again, right? And 
what that means, I think, for this team is that whereas they should be sort of almost like um, almost like a revamp, so to speak, like a rebuild a little bit on defense, they should be further along. So the expectations will come accordingly, even though a lot of these guys for part of the season, nothing else, were the same, same dudes who weren't necessarily giving them what they really needed, which was, you know, sacks, interceptions, that kind of thing. Special teams-wise, they, they need a complete reboot, right? Um, everything that they did basically in the special teams last year, except for maybe Will Betridge, needs to be significantly changed, looked at, all that kind of stuff. So I, I do think that there are some expectations that you at least want to see progress. I think bowl expectations are probably too much, but I do think that for folks who are looking at Tony Elliott and his staff, and they saw some, some, some good steps in the right direction, you really just can't discount how impactful that end of the season was. Um, you know, that morning, there was a very different vibe around the program than there was by that evening, right? Um, and that's the way rivalry games go, especially this rivalry, especially given everything we've seen between Virginia and Virginia Tech in recent years. There's just no way around uh, the fact that that drubbing at the hands of the Hokies, and not just the score, but the way it happened, the listless, the listlessness with which Virginia took the field with the, the, this complete lack of focus, the lack of uh, execution, it was extremely alarming. And I think for a lot of folks, the stuff he's that Tony and his staff have done outside of the field since then, right? The, the recruiting wins, being able to, to, to bring in some of their, the guys that they wanted most, especially a kid like Chris Tyree, who is a former you know, Notre Dame guy who kind of fits in exactly the way Malik Washington did in a lot of ways, right? Um, I think a lot of that helps. I, I think what really he needs, you just need to see progress. And frankly, you're going to have to play a much better game against that one team, um, not only than what you did last year, because what you did last year was deplorable. You're going to have to make it make it a lot uh, closer, if nothing else. I'm not saying you have to win it or anything like that, but you at least have to show progress. And I think that's what, what the folks in Charlottesville are going to be looking for in 2024. Brad Franklin, com uh, at Cavs underscore corner on Twitter. That is football. I don't even know what to say about the basketball game yesterday, Brad. What did you see when you watched this Cavaliers team? Clearly, uh, there's just, you know, Memphis just kind of ran them out of the gym. Yeah, I don't think there's there's. I mean, you could you could try to be a little bit uh, you know harsher, and you probably would be warranted. I mean, seventy seven fifty four is not the score I expected to see in this game. I think Penny said after the game, you know, to, to beat Virginia at all, um, let alone to by that amount, and also to score seventy seven points. You know, it wasn't just that the Jones kid was going crazy, but it was also just that Virginia's offense was just completely bewildered. So it's one thing if one side of the of the of the program, so to speak, right, one side of the coin isn't holding its own. Sometimes you can lean on the other side to sort of get you back right. And there were moments in this game where they did that, right? There were moments um, before that big run in the second half that really put the thing to bed, where you thought, all right, they're clawing back in this, right? Thirteen to one early. Tony calls a timeout before the under-16. They kind of right the ship a little bit. And it felt like they were back in it. But ultimately, Memphis was too long, too athletic, and honestly, too physical. And I thought that was probably the most glaring thing for me. It reminded me of that Houston game from a couple years ago. right? The Gonzaga game from a couple years ago. Just completely different, you know, uh, atmospheres, um, or excuse me, stratospheres, right, in terms of physicality, in terms of athleticism, and in terms – of his guys being completely plugged in. I mean, even a situation like last night where you got Ryan Dunn, who, you know, a lot of folks talking about for the NBA draft and that kind of thing. Like, he looked like he was just a dude um, playing against Memphis. I think Memphis could be one of the, 
you know, the teams that we look back in March and go, man, they really did kind of ascend. Um, I mean, that group is long. They are very athletic. They're uh, multifaceted. They got lots of different pieces that kind of um, fit in a variety of different ways, right? They got a lot of um, versatility among their their kind of principal guys. And frankly, they're, they're going to get another piece here in a couple of weeks with the kid coming over from Kansas State. So I feel like that's a group that we're going to, you know, look back on tournament time. And I think a lot of folks are going to understand, like, oh, yeah, that's why, you know, they put that drubbing on. But for Virginia, listen, Ryan Dunn's offense, I think, is officially a problem. And I mean that in – no, I'm not trying to be like a hot take artist, but I just, I'm, I just really think that if he's not going to score – and he's not going to give you the blocks and steals that he's giving you at the other end that create extra opportunities for your offense. It's a real, it's a real tough spot because if, if McNeely isn't hitting from deep or Rody's not hitting from deep or Groves is not hitting from deep, that really throws the balance of things out of whack. And yeah, Reese Beekman, I think did everything he could last night to, to sort of will them to be in that game. Um, unfortunately, nobody else was up to the task to help him carry the load. And as this thing goes forward, they're not. You know, this is not a great year in the ACC. Virginia could pile up a bunch of wins, but when it comes to the best teams, right? Teams like Memphis, teams that are built for March, teams that are you know kind of um, extreme, extremely athletic, extremely versatile, they're going to have a lot of issues. I think Elijah Gertrude, the freshman who was at one point redshirting, now is obviously playing. Uh, I think the more minutes that they can get him, the better that they will be for it because that kid brings something to the table that basically nobody else on that roster except for Dunn and Bond really give them. And that's just a dude who can get up um, and and play the game at a higher level, you know, f- physically. Um, but you're not going to change who they are. You're not going to change your physicality. You're not going to all of a sudden become a different-minded team. So what you got to do is you got to do what you do better. And I think they've got to – um, they, it's not just in, as simple as, oh, you know, guys need to find shots. I think Virginia's staff and Tony Bennett have to find ways to get combinations on the floor that give them looks, that open things up, and that minimize some of their issues that were on full display last night in Memphis. Next game up for the Cavaliers is the 27th. They host Morgan State before they uh, get back into ACC play uh, against Notre Dame on the 30th. No better present for this holiday season than a subscription to CavsCorner.com. Certainly a lot of great folks covering UVA athletics over there. Brad, we always appreciate the time. Have a happy holiday. You too, Matt. Take care, everybody. We'll see you in the new year. Home for the Dallas Cowboys all season is 1061 ESPN. Brought to you by Arthur's Electric and Park and Go. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. Longwood's up 35 30 at halftime at North Carolina Central. Uh, obviously, we're hoping that uh, Longwood gets the uh, victory. Uh, thanks to everybody for uh, checking in on the show today here on a Wednesday. Thanks to our guest, Q Reed, uh, safety for James Madison and Brad Franklin, CavsCorner.com. Coming up on the show tomorrow, we will talk to our guy uh, from HokieHaven.com, Tim Sullivan. Uh, check out Virginia Tech's Hall, talk a little basketball, the bowl game, all that good stuff with him. And uh, we'll play my interview with Tanner Morris of uh, James Madison. Um, as I was lucky enough today to get two Dukes back to back, I believe Bob was tracking down a member of the Dukes coaching staff. I had not heard if he actually got the person, but it's a reason to stick around. Obviously, besides the other reasons, this is his final show of the 2023 year. So Bob coming up from four until six after that. Thanks to Alan for all of his hard work. I've got two more shows left. I'll be here tomorrow and uh, Friday to... Uh, get you into uh what's going on this weekend and so um yeah certainly we'll see what happens uh but i'll be back tomorrow 1061 espm